This week on The Swearwolves, we wrap up John Carpenter's theatrically released horror films by discussing 1995's Village of the Damned. To the Swearwolves, I'm Brett. I'm David. David. Hey, Brett. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. That's good. Uh, okay, so you wanted to tell me like you fucked up something, like <laughs> oh, as yeah. far as like telling people where you're going to be, when you're going to be. Yeah, I realized I'm bad at counting uh, and using yeah. a calendar because I think in our last episode, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll say next week where I'm going to be. And then today I looked at the calendar and I went, oh, shit, I've already been there uh, when this episode comes out i've actually already returned from where i was mm-hmm. but where i sit right now in the real world with you brett mm-hmm. i have not yet gone but i fucked it up so if you're listening to this i was at texas frightmare last weekend i haven't actually gone yet <laughs> just a couple I'm days ago going, yeah i'm going next weekend but when this episode comes out to correct the universe i will be in california for monster palooza this weekend yes so if you see me flag me down i'll be there uh friday and saturday yeah and you're gonna be my little bitch that day because you're gonna be going around getting a bunch of nightmare on elm street for people Get, that i need i'm gonna be a little bitch boy yeah i think i only have like maybe two people that i need for myself and then the rest uh-huh. is just me doing your bitch work but that's that's yeah. cool you've you've done plenty for me so <laughs> it's all good yeah and they should be pretty easy ones to get i mean they're all people that their lines probably not gonna yeah, be too long yeah, i say that bad. now and you're gonna be there all day. <laughs> eh, um, I got nothing else to do, so may as well. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. And you're going on Friday and Saturday. Yep, looking forward. So to Fridays, it. Fridays notoriously slow days for shows. Yeah, and one thing that's nice is when we record episode two forty nine. Mm. I think I'll be back from one of them, so you, you can hear me share my thoughts probably on uh, at least Texas Frightmare in that yeah. episode, and then. Our last episode, 250, I think I can probably share a little bit about Monster Palooza. Yeah. And also you can share about your European trip that you have coming up That's soon. right. That'll be a, right when I get back, we'll record that last episode. You're such a jet setter. I know. I'm going to have like a, a fucking fake accent when I get back. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I s- spent so much time there. That it must have worn <laughs> off on me. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. hello. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Texas Frightmare, I'm sure, was good. Uh, we'll know more <laughs> yeah. when you tell us. Uh, but uh, we're thinking about these last few episodes that we're going to record. This is our, we have four, including this one, we have yeah. four remaining. And, uh, you know, to kind of pull the curtain back here, there's there's some loose ends that we wanted to tie up. Yeah, too many to, to address, but we're doing our best. Too many to address, but we thought we'd tackle like the big ones. We kind of did that with Halloween 6 when we reviewed that one last week. Although we are aware, and we talked about it, that there's other Halloween movies past six, but that kind of closes off that whole like, like the thorn uh, 
Daniel Harris. Yeah. yeah. The the Thorn, the Jamie, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Jamie character. Lloyd. Jamie Lloyd character. Jamie Lloyd Curtis. <laughs> um, Danielle Lee Car- Curtis. There's a couple other major uh, franchises that we haven't reviewed everything yet, and I think we're saving that for the end. I mean, spoiler alert, it's Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the 13th. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure those out. And then I was sitting there thinking, because we were like, well, let's do, we got to kind of do maybe another episode. And I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, we never did Village of the Damned by John Carpenter. Yeah. When was the last time we blew John Carpenter? <laughs> and I think it's only fair because it's kind of like it bookends the the beginning of the podcast. Because I think it was about like the third episode or the fourth episode that we did like The Thing and we talked about John the thing, Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty early so on. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah. We, we, started the, we started the podcast off with Friday the 13th and we'll probably end with a Friday the 13th movie. And it's kind of like you can listen to... It's like a palindrome, our podcast, <laughs> if you listen to it forwards and back. It's like a race car. <laughs> uh, the only thing we didn't get was uh, Alan to be back for the... You know, last hundred episodes. Because he was here for the first hundred, <laughs> but he missed 50. And then I'll be we really fucked up on that one. Um, yeah, we didn't really pre-plan that. But Village of the Damned is the movie that we chose. Yes. Had you ever seen this movie? You know, yes. But I couldn't mm-hmm. remember if I saw it on TV or if my parents rented it, like when I was in high school and we watched it. And then after watching it, I still wasn't sure. Because I was <laughs> okay. like, oh, if it's super gory, like, I'll remember, like, oh, I don't remember that. But spoiler, it's not super gory. So I was like, I have no fucking idea. And I hadn't seen this movie until a few years ago. I bought this four movie collection. It's two DVDs. And it's got uh, They Live, The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and Village of the Damned Okay, on these two discs. Something's wrong with my Xbox because I put the disc into my Xbox and it's like, I can't read it. And it couldn't read another disc earlier. And oh. I'm like, I don't have two DVDs that are fucked You're up. You're screwed. So, so I had to rent it. I could have gone to another room in the house <laughs> and watched it, but I'm like, I needed to be up in my I, office. I rented it too because I also do not own this movie. In fact, I said I've seen it. Well, I do I, own it. That's the fucked up thing. So <laughs> I don't even remember much about it though. Like I remember that Christopher Reeve was in it and, and Kirstie Alley, but that was mm. it. So, like, when yeah. Mark Hamill spoiler popped up, I was like, oh, shit, he's in this movie? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, so I, I have no memories of it from back when it came out, but let's just kind of get right into it, I let's guess. It. Uh, Village of the Damned released April 28th, 1995. That was senioritis was kicking in for oh, me. Man. I graduated at the end of May. And uh, I was graduating eighth grade. There you go. So you had eighth grade-itis. I did. It's called The Clap. <laughs> It's called herpes. What was the number one movie? I, you know what? I saw this number. I saw this movie in the theater too. Oh, did you? Okay, the number one movie. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guessed, uh, but I could see young Brett going to the movies to see this. Uh, I went with Bad Boys. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, I've never seen Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have either. I haven't seen any of them. No, neither have I. And it's not that I was like disinterested i liked will smith at the time and i liked um martin, martin lawrence. lawrence yeah no this movie was a ro- is a romantic comedy and Ooh, young brett probably saw it i mean i know young brett saw it because there there was a girl who he liked that probably wanted to see it and mm-hmm. did you see it with her yeah oh nice look at you but that didn't lead to, we, we were like friends or something do you hold hands <sighs> no young brett was also very timid 
Young David was was very similar. Like I think my first date at a movie was uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, The Lost World. And I remember uh-huh. like she was sitting next to me and I was like, oh, should I try to hold her hand? What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how to do anything like that. And I think I didn't. I think I just sat there and watched the movie with her sitting next to me also watching the movie. <laughs> My first date just... <laughs> to a movie with a girl was uh, when I was a junior in high school. Mm. I went and saw Wayne's World 2. Nice. <laughs> Dude, I think the first movie that I saw on a date that I could like drive myself because like that date, The Lost yeah, yeah. World, like mom had to pick me up in the parking lot. Uh-huh. Super cool. Uh, yeah. I think it was The Wedding Singer. I think that might have been the first movie I took a That's date. That's a to good see. one. Yeah. That's a good one. I saw The Wedding Singer on Valentine's Day in the movie theater with my friend Carlos. <laughs> Wait, I think we've talked about this because I think, <laughs> I, think uh, so. I saw it on Valentine's Day. Just the circumstances were a little different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did hold Carlos's hand. Um, <laughs> And you know what the fucked up thing is? Carlos had a girlfriend. And he just spent <laughs> he the totally Valentine's Day <laughs> with me. They didn't, they didn't last that long. I mean, they lasted a lot longer than that moment. But she, I guess she was okay with it. I don't know. Speaking of the wedding singer, and you and I talked mm-hmm. off mic a little bit before we started recording. Um, in this timeline, uh, I went and saw, I saw The Cure last night. Mm-hmm. And I took my niece to see it because uh, it's like one of her favorite bands. And um, we were got, we got talking about the wedding singer because somebody had a wedding singer shirt that they were wearing. Okay. But um, do you remember the part where John Lovitz is like watching Adam Sandler have like a fucking mental yeah. breakdown? And he's like, yeah. he's losing his mind. And I'm reaping all the benefits. And then the curtain yes. like goes past his face. There was this creepy yeah. dude who was like standing behind a curtain like next to where <laughs> we were. And I leaned over to my niece and I was like, he's losing his mind. It's pretty awesome. And she was like, and I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> yeah. Good kid. That's, that's one of the lines that we quote quite a bit. Oh, I love um, it. My wife is a huge Adam Sandler fan. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that before, I believe, uh, mm. where she loves all of them. All of it. Even the shit. Except for, except for the Zohan one. But even, even the one where he's the brother and the sister, I forget what that one's Jack called. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. With Al Pacino. <laughs> Dunkachino. Yeah, the Dunkachino. <laughs> I still say Dunkachino when I go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so stupid. No, the number one movie that I saw with uh, this girl was While You Were Sleeping. Oh, Sandra Bullock? Sandra Bullock and uh, Peter Gallagher with the big eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. I never saw that. And then there's that. the other guy. I forget who the other guy is. It's probably He, goes, he gets in a coma or something? Yeah. That's and he wakes up. She's and banging she's some like, other guy? No. This is what happens in the movie. She He goes into a coma. She doesn't know him, but they everybody assumes that it's her, his um, girlfriend. Uh-huh. And so while he's in the coma, she's just she just plays along oh, with it. Oh, yes. She kind of cashes in. And then she, she falls in love with uh, his brother. And then he while, wakes while up. this guy's out. And then this guy wakes up. He's like, I don't know who the fuck this is. Isn't she the chick that was driving the bus in speed? And they're all like, yeah, <laughs> The girl right. from the bus. <laughs> uh david what were you dancing to uh, oh april 28th i could have been dancing to the song well i wasn't i wasn't dancing to shit i was uh probably a wallflower you go no nobody wants to dance <laughs> also was sidebar the cure concert yeah. i've never seen so many men dancing there's a lot of dudes just dancing yeah. Was there a lot of like 50 year olds? Oh, yes. It was a very old crowd. In fact, my niece, who's 14, I think was the youngest person I saw the entire evening. Yeah. She was like the only kid. It was well, a lot of older people, but a lot of dudes dancing, but like real bad, like dad dancing, like pointing fingers and fingers stuff. Fingers up in the air. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Show me, show me, show me how you do that trick. <laughs> yep. It was just like that. They played that song and that person danced just as you did. Um, I'm going to go with a little, this is how we do it by Montel On Jordan. Friday night. That's right. That's, That's right. the number one nice. song. <laughs> you got it, David. I didn't know if you'd get this. Get that. <laughs> You big Montel Jordan fan? Did you, did you have his poster up song. There's a part of the song where he says something like, the party's underway. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought he said the party's underwear. And I was like, what? Yeah. It's an underwear party. Yeah. Exactly. You just wear your underwear. It's my kind of party. <laughs> you don't, if you don't wear underwear, well, you can still come in, but you got to get down to the skivvies. Mm-hmm. Village of the Damned, written by David Himmelstein. Steen? Hey, David Himmelstein? David Himmelstein? Doesn't matter. I guess it does to him. With uh, uncredited rewrites by John Carpenter, directed by John Carpenter, music by John Carpenter, and also Dave Davies. Of the Kinks, yeah. Of the Kinks, yeah. Lead guitarist, backup vocals, him and Mm -hmm. his brother. The the Kinks are, I mean, we've said this before, I love the fucking Kinks. As do I. And Dave Davies' uh, son is, um, John Carpenter's his godfather, and they do, like, he's the one that does, like, uh, Halloween Kills with... Cody. Um, yeah, with Cody Carpenter and John Carpenter. That's awesome. Yeah. They're good friends. The best of friends. This movie was produced by Michael Preger. <laughs> and <laughs> it's Preggers. Preggers. Well, much like a lot of people in this movie. And Sandy King, <laughs> who is uh, John Carpenter's wife, right? Were they married at the time, or is this maybe how they met? I don't think they were married, okay. but uh, I don't know. Cody, Cody is their son, right? Yes. Ooh, wait. No. Is Cody no. his kid with Adrian Barbeau? I don't, know. I don't know. He's somebody's kid. He's somebody's kid. <laughs> get Barbo on the horn. Let's get this figured out. And Adrian Barbeau is his mom. Okay. This movie stars Christopher Reeve as Dr. Alan Chaffee, Linda Kozlowski as Jill McGowan. Linda Kozlowski, uh, uh, Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee, yeah. Like when I saw her, I was like, what do I know her from? And I looked her up. She looks kind of like Meryl Streep. I never really noticed that before. She kind of looks like Meryl Streep. She kind of looks like the chick who played uh, Mama Firefly in the <laughs> second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Devil's Rejects. Uh, Easterbrook. Oh, what's her name? Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Kind of looks like her. But yes, she doesn't do movies anymore. It was like right after this movie or the next movie. It was right after Crocodile Dundee in uh, Los Angeles or Hollywood or California or whatever the fuck it was called. She's like, done. Yeah, she's like, I've been getting shit scripts sent to me. Oh, she's like, I've reached the pinnacle. There's nowhere to go from here, so I'm going to retire on top. (laughs) And then she divorced uh, Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. But I hope she's doing well. Kirstie Alley, RIP. Christopher Reeve's dead also. We're going to talk more about that in a second. But Kirstie Alley as a Dr. Susan Verner. Michael Paré as Frank McGowan. Michael Paré. On the dark side. (laughs) Yeah, I know him best as uh, Eddie from Eddie and the the Cruisers. Cruisers. Meredith Salinger plays Melanie Roberts. Meredith Salinger is now married to uh, Patton Oswalt. Really? Okay. So Patton Oswalt's uh, first wife, she passed away unexpectedly uh, after she caught the fucking Golden State Killer. And then, uh, uh, did you know that about his first wife? I knew that she died. Yeah, she like like, did a bunch of fucking research. She was like a, a... she wasn't a detective. She was like one of these just like, independently like researching stuff and figured some yeah, shit out. She figured out who the Golden State Killer was, wrote a book about it. Unfortunately, she passed away before the book came out, but um, then they arrested they the guy. They caught the guy. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Anyway, 
So now, she, now he's married to Meredith Salinger, hmm. who was in the movie The Journey of Natty Gann. I looked her up, yeah. Was she Natty Gann? I didn't go that far. I just saw that she was in it. She was Natty Gann. And you know why I recently looked I recently looked that movie up? Because you sent me a text message the other day, and you're like, you remember this movie? And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what movie? It, it was, was Wild, Wild Hearts, Hearts Can't, Can't Be, Be Broken. Broken. Yeah. Because that was directed by Steve Miner. Which is crazy. Yeah. But you were like... Uh, my my sister loved this movie, and when I saw that, I thought it was Natty Gann for a second. Like I, I don't know why, but I was like, "Was that that Natty Gann?" And I was like, "Oh no, that movie's called The Journey of Natty Gann, or whatever." Never seen either one of those movies, by the way. Okay, uh, Mark Hamill plays Luke Skywalker, playing <laughs> Reverend George. Uh, Peter Jason plays Ben Bloom. Peter Jason, people would know from other John Carpenter flicks. He was in, yeah. in They Live. He's like the the head of the, the people. The underground like, society. Yeah, yeah. The good guys, mind you. The good guys, yeah. And then uh, there's a couple of the children. Uh, Thomas Decker, he's uh, the the kid David. Yeah, I recognized him uh, from an episode of Seinfeld. There's like a, Yeah, he he's yeah. done some other stuff, but he was also um, in, the, in the TV show for Terminator. The yeah, Sarah Connor the Sarah Chronicles. Chronicles or whatever. Yeah, he was John Connor. Dude, it's funny. I, when I saw that kid, I was like, what do I know that kid from? And it was driving me nuts, but not nuts enough to look it up. And my <laughs> wife walks by the TV and she's like, is that the kid from that Seinfeld episode <laughs> with the the birthday card signed by all the baseball players? And I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, and then Lindsay Hahn plays Mara, which is uh, Christopher Reeve's daughter in this. And uh, she was in uh true blood really she was one of the waitresses i believe at the um okay at the, at the restaurant at the bar uh, and uh she was also in a lot of like disney show type flicks and stuff like that she's been hmm. she's been in some things i recognized her i was like that's a young her and i looked it up i was like you are right right brett confirmed Runtime of this movie, 98 minutes. I thought that was rather long. Actually, when I saw the 98 minutes, I had already watched the movie, and I was like, oh, it didn't feel like 98 minutes. So I guess that's a bonus. Yeah. Budget was $22 million. David, what do you think it did at the box oh, office? Oh, dear. Well, it, I'll tell you what it didn't do. Uh, $22 million. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm gonna, uh, I'll go 10. That's probably generous. You're, you're about right. $9.4 million. Just facts. Just facts. Just facts. Just facts, man. Here's some facts for you, David. This is straight from IMDb, so you know it's got to be true. Uh, John Carpenter described this film as a, quote, contractual assignment, which ah. he was, quote, not really passionate about. <laughs> so what could go there wrong? You go. He also filmed it basically in his backyard because he filmed it right near where he was living at the time. And he was happy about that. He was like, I'll do this movie if we can film it here. That's cool. (laughs) So then he didn't have to go anywhere. As I mentioned before, Christopher Reeve did pass away. uh, Not right after this movie. However, what happened right after this movie released in May of 1995 um, was an accident when Christopher Reeve was horse riding and he got paralyzed. That's crazy. I knew it had to be close to around this movie came out. I didn't know it was that close. Like weeks. Yeah, it was a month after. That's crazy. John Carpenter uh, worked with Universal on this movie, um, and he said that it was like a really awesome experience, and he loved it, and he was set to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon after this movie. But then this movie tanked, and Universal just went, no, 
sequel? No, that thanks. sucks. Oh, for shame. And they've never remade that movie. They've ta- they talked about it because they were going to do that uh, dark universe mm-hmm. universal movie. But then Tom Cruise was <laughs> like, "Let me do the Mummy, everybody." Yep, and that movie tanked. And, the, and they're like, "Tom Cruise, yeah, you'd be perfect for a horror movie." You fucking well, I guess he did interview with a vampire, but that was years ago. Like Tom Cruise is like Mission Impossible, like do your own stunts yeah, guy. I think action. That Peter Jason, that actor, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about plays Ben. He was in charge of helping the child actors get into character and behave on, <laughs> on, on set and behave like as a unit and stuff. Like, yeah, he was like kind of like, all right, kids, all right, you little shits. Um, getting back to John Carpenter real quick. Supposedly, the rumor is that he turned down an offer to direct Basic Instinct in order to make this film. Really? Mm-hmm. Ouch. What do you think about that? That's a, that's a misstep. I love you, John. I'm sorry. You should have taken Basic Instinct. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna argue. It wouldn't be the argue. same. It wouldn't be the same movie, though. No, I'm gonna argue that if he would have directed Basic Instinct, Basic Instinct probably wouldn't have ended up like it did. That that hit that it was. By the way, Basic Instinct not really that great of a movie. It is but not. He wouldn't have filmed that shot. That famous scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. John Carpenter would not have done that. And so that wouldn't have made it. Yeah. as popular as it was henceforth sharon stone wouldn't have become as popular as she was i'm not saying she's not a good actress i'm saying that that one moment got her her moment yeah it's a very famous movie scene yeah sharon stone does great in the movie casino by the way she's a really good actress Dude, I, that's phenomenal. a movie i watch pretty regularly and it was on tv just like a week or so ago and i watched the whole thing uh yeah she's fantastic in the movie she's fucking awful she's the worst but yeah. she, her she's not as bad as James terrific. Woods. James Woods is the oh, worst. Oh yeah, in that movie. he's the worst in that, that movie and in real life. Yeah, he is. But he's a fucking good actor. He is. He <laughs> he's is. a good actor. He might be a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> but but that movie, the acting is. Superb. He's not a piece of shit. Like Mel Gibson's a piece of shit, though. He's just a piece of shit because he's a fucking politically like fucking obtuse human being. But <laughs> I don't even know if I said that correct. But if I did, feel free to use politically obtuse. I like it. Um. This movie was also nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Prequel, Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. Mm. But it lost. What did it lose to? It lost to The Scarlet Letter. Oh, okay. I never saw that. I didn't either. We had to read that fucking book in uh, high school. <laughs> Were you like, uh, can we watch the movie now? And they went, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't even fucking read it. I was like, fuck <laughs> you. I was going against the man. No, I probably didn't read it because I find the cliff notes. I was lazy. You watch the movie and it's like, and this is the part where Demi Moore uh, gets naked. You know, you know what I would do in high school when we had to read a book and we had to discuss it. Like we would read it and then we'd discuss a chapter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would never read it. I would just listen to the discussion. So then when we took a test, I would just like pass <laughs> nice. because I would just like kind of gather what happened in it. Yeah, very that's clever. What I did. There was no Cliff's Notes. There was no internet. I couldn't like look it up. You like, said to listen the old-fashioned way. Look up on IMDb and get the facts. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this movie. This movie is actually based... It is a remake. Well, kind of. Uh, it's not a remake. It's just another adaptation of a book, right? Yeah, because there's another which, version of this movie that came out in like the early 60s, right? Yeah, John Carpenter saw the original version when he was 12. So okay. that's how long ago that fucking thing was. John Carpenter's like 128 today i think (laughs) 
like he's in his 70s i would say so yeah it probably came out in like the early that makes 60s. sense i think he was born in like 48 so that puts the movie about 1960 yeah there you go all right so there's this town of midwich california and uh they're all like just going about their day. You got the doctor who's Christopher Reeve and his wife uh, who's a realtor and she's showing a house to this cute young couple. And then you got uh, Linda Kozlowski who's married to Michael Paré and they're like helping put on this. Yeah. She's like the school principal or something, right? She's something, something school related. Yeah. And they're going to put on this carnival and he's helping her out. And he's like, she's like, can you go pick up the helium? And he's like, yeah, I'll go pick up the helium. So he leaves and he's like, always runs into all these people and he's all, Hey, 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 but he has to drive out of town to go get the helium while he's gone. Mark Hamill, who's the town preacher shows up to this carnival. Another lady shows up and she's like, Oh, my husband's due back from his, uh, trip to Japan. Uh, that he's been gone for like, like a year ever. or something, right? Yeah. I, who, what the fuck is he doing over there? But I thought at first I thought, oh, he's in the service or something. And then he shows up and it's that uh, uh, Peter, Peter Jason. Jason. You're like, nope. <laughs> like, oh no, he's like, he's old. She's like, yeah, he's due back in a couple of weeks, so it'll be great to see him again. And so we learn all this information really quick, first right. ten minutes. Like we're meeting all these all characters. The characters. And it's like boom, 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 boom. And they even make a joke like, who's making the hot dogs today? And they're like, old Phil Smith. And they're like, oh, I love my hot dogs burnt that'll come into play here in a little bit but anyway <laughs> they're like i love my and they like laugh about they're it like, oh, so okay. what's his name he loves playing with wieners right buddy and he's like uh <laughs> yes. so uh, kozlowski goes in uh because the preacher luke skywalker is like hey we need finger paints it's like, hey, motherfucker, you got legs? What are I you, thought what that are you too. Doing? Like, Why don't you get it yourself? Use the force, motherfucker. Pull that shit towards you. <laughs> so she goes, oh, I'll go get him. She goes into, uh, like... A classroom. Classroom, and she pulls out the finger paints, and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who's the drunk? Oh, um, um, George Buck Flower. George Buck Flower, he's in this movie, too, and he's also in, they, he's also in like, John Carpenter. And he always films. plays the same part. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drunk. And so he's like uh, taking a nip off of uh, Granny's cough syrup. And uh, all of a sudden, both of them just pass out. Yep. And the canary who's in the classroom passes out. Yeah, but they passed out from shock of seeing them. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's like, I thought I thought a pudding cat. <laughs> um, the, the whole town, all of a sudden, one by one, we just start seeing motherfuckers pass out. It's pop, collapsing. Pop, pop. And then it just shows like the grocery store. You know, fruits and veggies on the ground, people on the ground. It's kind of uh, a cool scene, like a little bit of a montage of like crashed cars and just, yeah, know, everybody just passed out. Yep. So Pare's driving along. Whoa. Because he wasn't in town. Right. He was out to get the helium. And neither was Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve was out of town as well. Yeah. Because he was doing uh, his doctor stuff at the hospital. So Pare comes back um, and uh, he starts seeing all the cows passed out in the field. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And he's not paying attention to the road. And he looks and there's a truck in the middle of the road. And he goes, oh, shit. Swerves. Swerves. Immediately his truck blows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, he like passes out too, right? He's like, he swerves he does, out of the way. And I think up. he must have crossed some sort of invisible line. Because then he's like, oh, he passes yeah. out. But yes, he crashes and the truck just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the helium tank. I'm like, helium's not explosive. But. Um, I liked uh, that cut too. Cause like you see his truck coming and I don't know if you caught this, but like there's a shot where there is no one driving that truck. 
Yeah, I didn't see <laughs> there's that. There's like no person there. And then when it cuts back and it's close enough, it's clearly a dummy in the front yeah, seat. Yeah, there's another scene. There's oh, there's a wonderful dummy coming out. A dummy. But yeah, so he passes out. So now as the audience, we realize that there's some shit. I do want to talk about something real quick that I didn't even talk about at the beginning. When the credits are rolling at the beginning and it's showing kind of the setting of the town, mm-hmm. there's like a black cloud that's passing over the town. It's an unnatural like yeah. shadow right. of a cloud passing over. So that's something mm-hmm. I would imagine. <laughs> so Christopher Reeve comes back and um, he gets stopped because there's a bunch of police officers and Kirstie Alley at this line that they've painted on the road. Cause they're like, anybody who crosses this line, <laughs> you're going to pass out. Don't do passes it. Passes out. And they even test it. That theory. They put this guy in a gas mask and they have him uh, cross the line. They got him like tethered. Like he's got a rope yep. around his waist and he starts walking like hurt locker yep. style. And, yep. oh. and he passes out and they pull him back. So Kirstie Alley explains what's going on to Christopher Reeve and they're both doctors. And, um, she is like saying like, Hey, this is what's going on. And, and he's like, okay, cool. He's like, uh, is my wife affected? And they're like, yeah, probably. And he's like, okay, okay, <laughs> like, Is cool. she in town? <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, she's probably screwed, buddy. But I mean, like, he's very, like, analytical about it. He's not, like, going, my fucking Where's wife, my wife? And running Let for you get across yeah. that line. Oh. <laughs> no, he's just Dude, like. that'd be awesome. And then they, like, pull him back and wake him up. And he's like, let me get out of the You've done this 20 times. Stop. But they, uh, all of a sudden, everybody starts waking up. Yep. And now it cuts to all those shots that we saw earlier, people passing out. Uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee woman, she wakes up. Um, Mark Hamill wakes up. This young girl. Oh, I forgot to mention this young girl. That's the um, that's Pat Oswalt's wife, right. um, Meredith Salinger. She and plays Melanie. Melanie. Melanie wakes up. And uh, all these other people. And then it cuts to that uh, like that barbecue or whatever where the guy was cooking the hot dogs. He did not wake up. <laughs> the hot dogs were burnt, but so was that guy because he fell into the yeah, grill. Yeah, he passed out onto the grills, just cooked his face. <laughs> oh, fuck. That was awesome. What a I way did to go. love that. Yeah, I like that too. So they're like, we don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, but everybody seems to be okay. Yeah, they test everybody. Everybody's okay. A few weeks after this, now all of a sudden... There's about 10 women in the town who are all pregnant. Yeah. And like, it starts with Pare's wife. Like she's like walking or something at school and she's like, Oh, I don't feel so good. We <laughs> go to the doctor and he's like, all right, there's your problem right here. You, you got a baby in you. Yeah. Before, she, before Michael Pare died, she and her, uh, she and he were talking about having, yeah, they're trying to have a baby. So she's like, Oh, we were trying. So she's like kind of happy about it, I guess, but sad. Yeah. Christopher Reeves wife is pregnant yeah and right away he's concerned like we can like he hasn't said anything yet but he's like yeah that's okay because i think she expected him to be a lot happier yeah the woman whose wife or whose husband was away in japan and was coming back she's pregnant Uh oh and now all of a sudden her husband's back and he's like what the fuck (laughs) like yeah and that was kind of a weird scene too. Cause everybody was like, welcome back. Uh, whatever your name is. And he, they're like, how does it feel to, uh, you're going to be a father. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, these people are fucking worse at math than me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, he's clearly not the father. Um, and I also thought it was a little weird that there wasn't a scene. I mean, like there's tension between the two. So we feel it, but I, there was never a conversation like, Hey, I no. haven't been with anybody. So yeah. then I was like, was she fooling around? No, it was just a lot of looking 
Ooh, at the camera yeah, and yeah, tears yeah. coming by. Um, also, there that Mer- Meredith Salinger, the Melanie character, she's like this young high school girl, and she's a virgin, and she's pregnant. And did they ever say that she's a virgin, or is this yes. kind of implied? They do. Okay. No, they said that she's a virgin. Her parents and, are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all all these pregnancies start happening like mysteriously, like immaculate conception type stuff. Yeah, and. Kirstie Alley comes back and she has, they have a town meeting and Christopher Reeves, like everybody just calm down. And they bring, she, and Kirstie Alley is like, look, if you guys want to get an abortion, you can get an abortion. We're, nobody's going to stop you from doing that, which is at this time, 1995, I guess they could talk about it, but back in 1960, they couldn't talk about it. So that, that was like not in the original. This version. was something new. Yeah. I don't know if it was in the book, but yeah. When that like was that, one of the things. I like that she addresses to like this appears to be connected to the day that everybody blacked out. So yeah, she puts it on Front Street. Yeah, and they're like, "Whoa!" Kirstie Alley says, "If you want to have an abortion, that's fine. If you don't, we'll pay for all the prenatal care. The government will, and we'll give you three thousand dollars a month." To help with your expenses, and so we can do testing on right. You yeah, and the, the condition is that they still get to run tests and stuff on the babies. And then everybody's eyes light up. Yeah, and the one guy's like, "Hey, what if your wife and your daughter? Because three, and that's and she's like, it's that would be six thousand dollars a month. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, and he starts smiling. He's like, all right, well, I guess it's okay that you got knocked up, kid, and you're having that baby. So yep. now everybody decides that they're going to have the babies. You tell people that they're going to get paid. To have a child and they'll they'll do it i'll tell you this right now if someone was like we'll give you three thousand dollars a month if you have this kid three thousand dollars a month would help out a lot <laughs> it's a life changer i mean you're not gonna be able to like fucking quit your job but no but it's nice it'll be a nice little stipend <laughs> there'd be a lot more motherfuckers out there in the world who would have kids if you got paid three thousand dollars i'm gonna tell you that right now everybody gets pregnant this this all happens relatively quickly too it's mm-hmm. like boom they're pregnant and now in the back of my head i was like is this all gonna happen like in the span of a week and they're gonna know that these kids are like superhuman and then they're gonna grow really fast but it happens over the course of right. t- time yeah because it cuts to like basically nine months later yep and they all give birth in the barn the same night and five girls and five boys are born although so Melanie, there were 11 people well, ten pregnant. No, but there was ten. Yeah, one of them. Um, but Melanie gives birth to gives birth to a stillborn. Yeah, a girl. And Kirstie Alley immediately like wraps it in a blanket and takes it away. And she's like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. Like your baby's stillborn." She uh, hides it from everybody. Yeah, not at all fishy. Now, at first, I thought she hid it because it wasn't dead. And I thought she that took too. It alive, yeah. and she was going to do her own little testing on it. But I later realized why she hid it. Same. Yeah, and at first, like when I thought it was alive, I was like, "Why isn't that baby crying?" Yeah, so it did die, but it wasn't quite all the way developed, and it was looking kind of funky. Yeah, we'll get a good look at it a little later. Yeah, all the kids are born. Uh, well, like we said, except for the one was dead, and they're healthy. They all have really pale skin, and they have like white blonde hair and yeah. blue eyes, and they're super smart. Super smart, so much so that when um, David, who is like, there's two main kids. There's David and Mara. Mara's kind of the leader. She's uh, Christopher Reeve's daughter. 
and David is Crocodile Dundee's daughter <laughs> or son, excuse me. Right. But David's the, and they all pair up. So it's like one girl and one boy and they're all pairing up to be together. Mm-hmm. And uh, David's partner was the one who wasn't born. Yeah. Alive. So he's, he's the lonely one. Yep. He's kind of off by himself. Uh, I should say we do find out, I don't know if it's here or if it's later on, that this happened in other parts of the world. We find it out later, but yeah. And um, in one part of the world, they were they were all they all got died when they were born or some shit. I don't remember. And then another part of the world, they were born and some weird shit starts. But we find happening. out there's like several different colonies where this has happened, and it's all yep. kind of like in isolated areas. I think the mom of Mara is like making some soup one one day while waiting for her friend Linda Kozlowski to come over with David to p- have a play date with Mara, right? They're they're raising these kids like, okay, it's weird, but whatever. But it's my whatever. kid. And David's like, I don't know, maybe a year or not even and probably probably not even a year and he's playing with some blocks on the floor and he spells his name out. Yeah, the mom's like, "Holy shit." Yeah. So she takes him over for the play date. Now, uh uh, Mara's mom is making soup, right? Christopher Reeve's wife. And uh, she gives some to little Mara to eat. And it's too hot. Yeah, it's like, oh. Mara throws the shit down. By the way, the kid playing Mara it looked like she was like four. And she's playing <laughs> like a, a, a one-year-old. It was kind of a weird dynamic. It how did they look had a little big, look. yeah. She looked big and old compared to David. But I don't know if that was a choice. Yeah. She's like, I'll get even with you, mom. Yeah, and she started giving her the stare down. And her eyes glow. <laughs> and mom's like what's wrong and she's like freezes and then mom starts slowly like looking at her own hand and then she takes her hand and she just shoves it in the boiling water yeah and she's screaming and she can't even do anything to pull it out she's totally hypnotized by this kid yep so linda kozlowski just shows up right and so she busts down the door and she's like get your arm out of there what the fuck are you doing <laughs> she pulls it out of the pot and then she puts it back in and she's like no yeah, no no mom- get your hand out of there <laughs> Yeah, and Mara finally gives in, and it cuts to the hospital, and Christopher Reeve's like, what's going on? How did this happen? Now, it's about here in the movie that all the parents start going, fuck these kids. These kids are evil. <laughs> yeah, these kids are the worst. <laughs> Especially because uh, the mom and Mara, Mara doesn't like the mom, so yeah, Mara makes the mom not... commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, she just like, gives her the stink eye and makes her jump off a cliff. Yep. And Christopher Reeve is like, no, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. So he's all sad about that. Like you would be. Yeah. Um, oh, and Mara, I think around this time too, tells Christopher Reeve, like straight up tells him like, you know, we can read minds, right? Yeah. They all uh, start understanding what's going on and that Mara's the leader. And they're, they're like, we can't do anything because they can read our mind and they can control us. So it's yeah. kind of like that fucking twilight zone episode. I thought that too. Like the think happy thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or else you go out to the cornfield. It's where he yeah, banishes that was, you. That, that's a good, ep- that's a good, oh, it's awesome. There's a good, uh, Simpsons Treehouse of horror episode that like does that story. Yeah. Is Maggie the, it's the Bart who can read. Oh, it's Bart. Yeah. Oh, and the um, Mara at one point she's getting an eye exam, and the doctor oh, like yeah. burn like put something in her eye. That it wasn't burns. Mara; it was another one. But, oh, it was a different kid, Mara. yeah. But the yeah. kid like forces the doctor to like burn her eyes out. <laughs> yeah, and she forces her to blind herself. Yeah, um, we could talk about this. Uh, let's talk about the death 
the deaths that they because this is what happens right so it's just like people piss them off they kill them people piss them off they kill yeah they them. have like no conscience there's like no humanity except for no. david david's yeah like he's still weird but he genuinely cares about people he doesn't hurt yeah, anybody yeah because he because his partner died and so he feels sadness about that right and the other ones have like no emotions Yep. Other than scorn. <laughs> so let's see. I don't know what order these all happen in. Oh, I should say that uh, Meredith Salinger, uh, Melanie, the Virgin, she's at the like cemetery and she talks to David and David reads her mind and sees that she's going to go home and blow her brains out yeah. because she's been a mess since her baby was born still. Yeah. And I kind of expected him to stop her or do something, but he does not. And she no, kills herself. No. He's just like, oh, well, that's what she's going to go do tonight. That's her destiny. They force Mark Hamill to blow his brains out. Because he's going to snipe one of them. He's got Mara. Yeah. I think it was Mara. I don't know. Like in his sights. Oh, yeah, you're right. He gets fucking clever girl like Jurassic Park style. Because he's getting, he's got her in his sights. And he's getting ready to shoot her. And all of a sudden he turns his head and there's like five other kids right next to him. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> fuck. And then they like mind meld with him and force him to blow his brains out. Yeah, and he does it the fucked up way where he goes under, the under chin. his chin. Yeah. Because, man, there's been times where people try to kill themselves going under the chin, and all they do is blow their mouth off. Uh, yeah, They don't die. Got to do it right. Well, he, he did it right. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. Uh, I think George Buck Flower, uh, I think he might be one of the first. His is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Because um, Christopher Reeve at one point decides, yeah, I think... Uh, crocodile dundee lady like asks him to teach the children or whatever and at first he's because like the children respect him yeah right and at first he's like no and then eventually he kind of agrees and he's teaching a lesson but he gets called away for a second so he leaves the room so it's just the drunk janitor in there with the kids and he's just being like oh what are you gonna do and like, i'm gonna kill all you kids he, That's he's what like smack one upside the head or he hits her with a broom or he does something yeah. to piss her off yeah and she does the glow eyes like the and he's like, oh, 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 and slowly starts walking out of the room and then walks outside and he goes up to up a ladder to the roof. and just slowly step by step starts going up the ladder. And I was like, oh shit, what's this guy going to do? And then he takes his broom or his mop handle or whatever. I think it was a broom and like puts it next to his stomach. And I was like, what the hell is he going to do now? And then he just falls off the building onto his own truck and impales himself through uh, his belly into the truck. He's very dead. The dummy. The dummy. <laughs> yeah, it's a really bad dummy. <laughs> Doesn't even look like him. But yeah, that was a cool kind of death. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> and that uh, night, uh, Mara like has a conversation with uh, Christopher Reeve, and she's like, there's going to be some changes. And he's like, oh, God. Because he knows these kids are killing people. Yeah, and they what they decided to do is they're going to move out to the barn, to this barn where they were all born at, and they're going to live there. Yeah, she's like, I'm moving out. <laughs> I'm getting my own place. And you're going to bring us supplies. And because we're smarter than all of you, we can read your mind. We can control you. So this is what you're going to do. It's better this way. And like all the parents one by one, drop them off and just like, <laughs> yeah, speed off. like you got it, kid, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> and I think it's around this time. Kirstie Alley meets up with Christopher Reeve and shows him the, the dead baby. She's like, all right, I got a level with you. Here's what's going on. We get a quick flash of the dead baby. It looks like the alien autopsy. Yes. (laughs) Factor fiction. Yeah. And it's like uh, just this alien in a bottle, in a jar, right? In in fluid, just kind of floating there. And it's been cut open a little bit. It's big Mm -hmm. eyes and shit like that. So a little uh, alien vagina. It was a girl. (laughs) It was a a girl. (laughs) Um, Who else dies? Oh, somebody gets run off the road with their car. (laughs) 
Oh, this is Peter <laughs> oh, Jason. Mark Hamill's wife's got a good death. Yeah, that, that one happens in a second. But Peter Jason yeah. uh, goes and he's like, uh, I want to pick up my daughter. Uh, my wife's going crazy. And they're like, she doesn't want to go with you. And he's like, okay. And he drives away and drives into like this propane tank and blows himself and up. Blows up. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. Mark, so Mark Hamill, after he kills himself, his wife is like, fuck these kids. And she's like leading a town, like a, like the pitchforks and, and yeah, with torches. Like torches and shit. And she's going down there to burn down the, the barn where they're all at. Big mistake. They stop him and they look at her. She looks at them. She freezes and then she like lights herself on fire. Like the immolation. <laughs> torches it called? herself. Immolation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Torches herself and she burns to a crisp. They send cops and the military there and then the kids like pit the cops against the Dude, military. Dude, that was a cool scene. Yeah. And they like. And they have like a shootout and they're like shooting each other and cops are killing other cops. And, yeah. Yeah. Army guys are killing cops and vice versa. Yeah. Which is, they can't control. They shoot down a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley, I think, around this time gets hypnotized as well. Oh yeah, because they find the baby in the bottle. She shows them the kids. The the oh, and we should say like th- through the whole movie, I think it's Mara keeps trying to read Kirstie Alley's mind, and she's like, "You're hiding something. Like you're you're good. Yeah. I'm not able to read your thoughts, but you've got something in there, and I'm going to figure it out." And then Christopher Reeve also finds a way to block them. Yeah, he's very good. But at Kirstie Alley. Out eventually they figure out what she's hiding and they find her in a moment of weakness. And she's like, I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to help you guys. And so she shows them the the baby that was born and then they get pissed off at her and they make her like lay down on the operating table and like give herself her own fucking like autopsy. Yeah. Like <laughs> Even when she's alive, gets a scalpel and slices herself open. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah. I should, I should also say like, it doesn't really show anything. Like there's no gore. It reminded me a lot of um, Children of the Corn. Yeah, yeah. For a few, for several reasons, most of them very obvious. Yeah. Linda Kozlowski is like, look, my son David, he's good. The rest of them, they're fucks. Fuck them. And Christopher Reeves is like, my daughter Mara, she's a fuck. <laughs> she's the goddamn devil. She's the worst of them. And so, and he's like, there's only one thing that we got to do, and you know what that is. And he locks her in the uh, the classroom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, get me out of here. Which I thought was hilarious because there's a big ass fucking window in the door. That you can just break. And she eventually does break, but it takes her a long time to figure out that glass She's breaks. like, look, this is not my property. I do not want to uh, owe any yeah, money. It's vandalism. <laughs> Come on. We're trying to teach these kids. But she says to Christopher Reeve as he's running away, she's like, save David. Yeah. He makes no promises. He's, he's going to, though, because he gets a yeah. bunch of dynamite and puts it in his briefcase, and he's going to go teach the kids a lesson or something, right? <laughs> and so he goes down there, and he sets a timer. I don't know. This guy can work out a bomb. He's watched the A-team. I thought that, too. It's like, holy shit. I mean, he's a doctor, so he's smart, <laughs> but like, god damn, he's got bomb-building skills, too. Watch out for this guy. So he goes in there, and he's got to block out the fucking kids from reading his mind. So he just thinks of a brick wall, and they're like, you're thinking of a wall. And he's like, hey, I left some of my um, notebooks out in my car. David, will you go get them for me? And David's like, okay, sure. And then Mara's like, no, don't go. What are you thinking? What are you hiding? And it's like a brick wall. I'm not hiding shit. And it like visualizes what she sees. And it's a brick wall. And she's trying to penetrate the brick wall. And then the others come next to him. And they're trying to penetrate the brick wall. And he's like, no, no. Yeah, Christopher Reeve's like, oh, <laughs> and then uh, Kirst- or, uh, Linda Klaslowski, excuse me, she comes in and she grabs David and there's like this like back and forth. The same scene happens twice where she grabs David and then Mara's like, yeah. no, stop. 
And then she grabs David. Yeah, and like freezes her. And she's like, oh. And then she grabs yeah, him again. Yeah, and then again. they got to go back to Christopher Reeve. Yeah. They're not very good multitaskers. No. So she does get David and she does escape. And then right when she escapes, Christopher Reeve's like, run quick. And then they go back to him and they break down that wall and they see that the briefcase is in there, that there's a timer set for a certain time. Then they all look at the clock and the clock I'm like, oh, fuck, strikes that, <laughs> that time. <time's> now. <laughs> the time is now. And they blow up. Yep. And they all die. And Kozlowski gets in the car with David and they drive and she's like, oh, we're going to go someplace where nobody knows who we are. The end. And that's actually, I think that's the exact line that she says. That's the end. Yeah. So here, here's my thing about this. And I know we kind of glossed through this movie. It was 98 minutes, but there's a lot to gloss through because it's very like this happens, this happens, this happens, a lot of introduction. And then it's the same shit happens for like 60 minutes. Yeah. It's just a lot of kids getting pissed off at somebody and killing them. Yep. Um, without like really good payoffs, I feel like less good setups and worse payoffs. So I think what this movie yeah. suffers from is that it's a poor adaptation. Probably. I don't know. The idea of the story is really good. And I feel like as I was writing my review down for this, and I won't tell you what I rated it, but maybe you can give me your thoughts on this as well. I feel like you could do this as a limited series. Yeah, I could see that. FYI, I'm also trying to like break through your brick wall to figure out what you rated this movie. <laughs> you can't. I'm I'll get you. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a big penis. That's all I'm thinking of. Um, <laughs> you could do a limited series, so we could actually get to know all the characters. We could get to know all the the human the the yeah the humans yeah, and, and the, the kids because the kids are all kind of and this is one of my criticisms. They all look the same. So I, I got confused. I got confused while we were talking about it at one point. Like because they all look the same, which I thought was weird. Like. So they all got to have this weird pumpkin pie hair. Like you couldn't give them all different haircuts. And they all wear the same clothes. It's like. Yeah. One couldn't have like a fucking faux hawk. Yeah. With some spiky hair. Or like one couldn't have bangs. One a, a ponytail maybe on the side. Maybe there like, was just one that. Something. Yeah. Like listening to Debbie Gibson records or something. Yeah. So I, w- I, w- I think it would be cool. Like if we could get more on the alien characters, the kids, but as well as more on the adults. And yeah. So that we care about them when they die. We care for them when they die. Or. They're horrible people, and, and we want them to die. Deaths are yeah. justified. Like that would be kind of cool. Like they, like, like uh, J- uh, Buck Flowers. Yeah, but you also know, like that guy's for sure gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with a limited series, you could set up the deaths so much greater, and yeah. you could you could almost do this, David. Here's an idea that I thought of. Also, what if you started with an older David? in a new town and he's remembering back to telling the story and then you could go off a forward story as well. So you could have the flashback, but also now this David who's in this new town where nobody knows him is the good one, like Firestarter, right? Yeah. But all the stories that he tells that involve himself are all very exaggerated. (laughs) Like one part, like the the people like interrupt the episode, like, wait a second, you were fucking flying. He's like, Oh hell yeah. I was flying. (laughs) Yep. With my penis dragging on the ground the whole way. Anyway, that's my idea of how to make that better. Yeah. That being said, I don't think I don't think John Carpenter did a bad job directing this movie. And I read I read a review or a synopsis of a review that Roger Ebert gave it at the time. Roger Ebert gave it two out of four, I think. Okay. Um, which was very generous of him, I think, for this movie because he said that uh, John Carpenter did a good job directing it, and I think he did for the most part. 
I would agree. And it's shot well. Like it's got a Carpenter's got a, a style. Like yeah. you can tell this is his. You can tell it's he's directed it. Yeah, it's directed by somebody who's capable of directing a movie. That being said, this movie sucks. <laughs> it gets one Pamela Voorhees head. One. Okay, we're pretty close. I'm a little higher. Um, I went two on this one, um, just because I, I found the story somewhat interesting. Just the execution was lacking. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think all the the characters are they're not fleshed out, so we don't have anybody to root for or against. Really, mm-hmm. the special effects there's really there really aren't any. No, yeah, everything that happens is off camera. Like even like you know, and I understand for budget reasons, but I mentioned they, they crashed a helicopter at one part at one point. Uh, they didn't. The helicopter starts to go down, <laughs> and then it cuts away, and we see an explosion in the background. So it's like kind of stuff like that. It just had kind of a made for TV yes. kind of feel. And I got, that's what I was saying earlier about Children of the Corn. I got kind of the same vibe. Like, this is one of those movies that's rated R, and it's like, why? Yeah. But by today's standards, like, The Walking Dead does shit way crazier than anything that's in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I just thought for, like, a, a horror, like, R-rated horror movie, like, this movie's pretty soft. It's also 1995, um, so. Yeah, yeah, and and the small budget and all that. So I get it. But I found myself bored which is like the worst offense. And I, we've talked about this in several episodes. Like I'll take a bad, bad movie over a boring movie just because yeah. there's something to make fun of. But there really isn't a whole lot to really latch on to this movie. No, and I don't want to make fun of anything because the entire time that I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking Christopher Reeves, a month after yeah. this came out, is now paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his fucking life. Dude, and he was actually very good in this movie. I thought he was one of the better, one of the highlights totally good in this movie i didn't realize you know i when i think of christopher reeve i think of superman yeah and he was very good in this movie and i was like i would have loved to see him do more things and i think he probably would have done more things yeah like the scene where he's talking to the kids and he's trying to get david to go out to the car like i thought he did a really good job with like his non-verbal acting like if you kind of watch his mannerisms like he's kind of tapping his finger like in the briefcase like you can tell he's nervous yeah uh, yeah, I just thought he, he did a good job. He did do a good job. Uh, I think this movie, one and a half, Pamela Voorhees heads. Yeah, that's fine. Sidebar here. I kept talking about Christopher Reeves and how you know he would have been such a good actor and stuff like that. I watched a documentary that everybody should watch. It's called Still. Oh, dude, I want to see that so bad. Uh, the Michael J. Fox story yeah. or whatever. Uh, I don't know the subtitle of it, but it's titled Still. It's on Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV, whatever the fuck it's called. It is one of the best documentaries that I've seen in a long time. I've heard it's fantastic. And I love Michael J. Fox regardless. I love yeah, me too. all of the movies that he did in the 90s, the cheesy movies like Greed and, uh, uh, oh God, now I'm not, uh, not Secret of My Success, but I did love that movie too. That's a good one from the 80s. Doc yeah. Hollywood. Um, yeah. The Frighteners, we've we've reviewed that movie before. You know, So he did all these good movies. Um, and then, you know, poor guy, he gets Parkinson's. My son watched it with me and he loved it. He goes, I didn't realize how much shit Michael, no, you didn't say that, but how much stuff Michael J. Fox had been in and how like good he was. Yeah. I'm like, the guy was amazing. And especially in the eighties when, when back to the future came out, like he was like top. Oh dog. yeah. He was larger than life. Yeah. He was on family ties, winning Emmys. He was in back to the future, which like is the great, like back to the future is like one of the greatest movies ever made. Like bar none, story-wise, music, directing, acting, it is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I want to see that documentary. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I tried to get the wife to watch it the other night. Uh, She's not a big documentary person, uh, but... 
I'll, I'll get her. I think or I'll just watch it when she's not. Does she around. like does she like um Michael J. Fox? She does. Okay. And actually um uh, that's not true that she doesn't like documentary uh, documentaries. She's got to be in a very particular mood. And they weave in footage from his movies and his film career and TV uh career. So it like tells the story through clips of his yeah. show. So it's like I walked into this room and they'll show like Alex P Keaton walking into a room, you know? And mm-hmm. it'll like I don't know. It's it, it, they do it very well. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's very well edited and put together. So, highly recommend it. He's going to be at Philadelphia Fan Con or Fan Expo or whatever the fuck it's oh, called. Oh, cool. You going to go? No. Cuz I can't go. Um I could have gone on June 2nd, but he's not going to be there till June 3rd. It's the weekend of June 2nd, 3rd and 4th. I, oh, okay. could, I could have gone because I'm going to be down in Philadelphia on June 2nd. Oh, um, man. That's the weekend I'll be at uh, Monster Palooza. Yeah. Bummer. It is a bummer because I would have loved to have met him. But I think also I probably would have been really sad. Yeah. Seeing yeah. him in person. But what are you going to do? Anyway, that's that. Village of the Damned. We we ended on a downer. <laughs> well, can we talk about that's an upper? Um, I don't know. Village of the Damned, one and a half, Pamela Voorhees heads. If you have any thoughts on the Village of the Damned, just keep them to yourself. You can, however, contact us if you want to uh, say anything to us for the final episode. You can uh, call yeah. us. Uh, um, well, we still have our normal channel uh, channels of Twitter, Facebook, The Slash Rap, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Hive. Uh, search the Swearwolves on those platforms. On Instagram, search the Swearwolves podcast. Uh, you can email us. Actually, a listener from Germany uh, reached out to us via email uh, a couple of days ago. I was exchanging some emails with him. Oh, and I'm, I apologize. I can't remember your name, but uh, yeah, thanks for reaching out. Uh, uh, that email address is contact at theswearwolves.com, uh, or you can leave us a voicemail, and uh, yeah, we'll play it at six two three two eight two one eight five one. So for the Swearwolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. David, what am I thinking of? Oh, you pervert. Episode 247 of the Swearwolves. Take one. It's up to you. We can keep trying. At least it like, reconnects Christ. quickly. Someone's fucking motorcycle is backfiring big time. <laughs> Tell my neighbors you got a much flavor. <laughs> He's back. <laughs>